It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's a weekly Bengals post-game edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports commentator editor with Rick Broering. We're going to look back at the Thursday night Bengals 35-30 loss at the Cleveland Browns, a game that saw the run defense get gashed, the offensive line not hold up or be able to run block. Joe Burrow throws 61 times, and I think he got hit on 59 of those. Um, he also suffered a, a bad fumble down inside the, uh, the, the three or so yard line that the Browns recovered on the one and turned into a touchdown. And all told, Rick, it's, it's still a, a one-score loss, which means that Zach Taylor now is 0-10 in one-score games, and the Bengals are 3-23 and in their last 26. They, it feels like they continue to invent ways to lose. Yeah, it definitely does. And let's start right there because if you listen to our weekly general sports podcast, I asked you this week to predict the storyline coming out of this game. What what was going to be the big talking point? And both of us looked at this topic of what you just mentioned, Zach Taylor moving to 0-10 in one-score games. And we said, you know, it's likely to be a close game. We don't see the Bengals coming out with a win. This is going to be what people point to. So I guess my question for you is, is, that, is it fair to talk about Zach Taylor's 0-10 record in one-score games the way that we do? Like, is it an indictment on him as a coach to be 0-10 in one-score games when he's had a pretty crappy team in all of those games? Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's probably not fair, but it's still fun to do. Number it is a nugget of information you can cling to and point to. Um, I, I just can't give it the old, uh, you know, closest, closest fine, and they're competing. You know, at some point, you got to win games, and, and that's what good coaches do. They, they find ways to win games, and sometimes those wins are really ugly. Sometimes those wins are, are really pretty, and, um, again, good coaches find that way. And, um, again, I'm not asking him to have this team be 12 and four, 13 and three. I don't think it's anywhere close to that, but listen, eventually you just gotta, I mean, it's, it's, it's a business. The business is winning games. And for whatever reason, he's now two and 16 as a head coach, Oh, and 10 and one score games. And, um, you know, you could argue, does he, does he allow himself to panic to the point where he lets a rookie quarterback throw 61 passes? Um, was there not, and this is not all on him because he's the head coach, not the defensive coordinator. Was, you know, was the run defense um, dictated by, um, you know, some of the ways the, the Bengals might have even played on offense, playing to an up-tempo style and, and, and running 88 plays. And, you know, I, I, I just don't know. All I know is this as a coach, that's what you're measured on, um, especially at the professional level. You're not measured on guys getting better or your team playing hard. I mean, that, that's for guys like me as a freshman basketball coach level, man. And, and even I uh, can't stand the whole losing process of it. So, I, I, I think it does fall on him. At some point, you got to turn these into wins. Maybe he will. Maybe eventually he'll have just enough talent to turn these into to wins instead of losses. But right now, it, it, they, they find every which way under the sun to lose. Play good defense and lose. Play good offense and lose. Kicking game costs you a game. It's got to fall on somebody, man. The 0-10 and one-score games thing just kind of annoys me because there's this sort of underlying insinuation there that – the team is good enough to be in all these games, but he keeps screwing it up, right? Like that's sort of what you're saying when they're 0 and 10 and one score games with him as head coach. For me, saying the guy is 2 and 16 now as a head coach is all that really needs to be said. He has to find a way to win. I don't think there's any way around that. I don't think anyone questions that. But I guess I don't see all these egregious coaching errors that a lot of other people seem to see that are leading to them being 0 and 10 in one score games. I don't either, but I guess the question is this. Is there, 
is there an accountability for guys who don't perform up to a high level? Is that where it is maybe that guys, you know, just feel like, you know, if, if I don't make the play here, um, I'm going to go back in. It's going to be okay. And, and I know, listen, this isn't a roster of 90 guys for goodness sakes, but uh, I, 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 I guess what, what, what makes anybody think Bobby Hart can play in this league? And what well, makes anybody think that Fred Johnson can play in this league? And honestly, at what point do you just turn on from the John Ross and go, you know what, I, I can't play the guy anymore? At what point do you hold guys accountable for that kind of stuff? And that would be, I think that would be my biggest concern with this coaching staff is just their evaluations on guys. I mean, the fact that they have stuck with some of the guys they've stuck with. And granted, to a certain extent, you know, especially last year, you're, you're handcuffed with the guys you've got and then to uh, again this year you still have some contracts that you're under so you're not just getting out from you know a guy like john ross necessarily but um and 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 to zach taylor's credit i was happy to see uh t higgins playing a little bit more in tonight's game agreed yeah agreed Um, now that being said i I might prefer them having a, a nice right tackle instead of t higgins altogether but uh that that's for another conversation, maybe overall, I guess my, my point is on the Zach Taylor stuff is that I think the jury is still very much out on Zach Taylor. There are some things that I like. I think he's done a good job in certain areas. There's plenty of reason to question him and the record speaks for itself. Two and 16 just isn't good enough, but I think the O and 10 and one score games is a little bit disingenuous the way everyone keeps. Yeah, no, that's probably, it's probably fair, but it is a nugget to cling to. And I, I'll go back to kind of last year. I mean, Cordy Glenn walked all over this organization. I think A.J. Green for the second half of the year walked all over this organization. And I'll be quite frank, Rick, I'm not so sure Geno Atkins isn't walking all over this organization at the moment. And, and that's a shame. That's disappointing. Well, and that kind of leads us to maybe the next topic of conversation because I think the big storyline from tonight's game in terms of what actually happened on the field was what happened to the Bengals' defense and is there any hope it can be fixed? They gave up 435 total yards. The Browns did basically whatever they wanted on the ground. Nick Chubb ran 22 times for 124 yards, two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt added 86 yards on 10 carries, and he had a touchdown as well. Geno Atkins is out right now, and that is a a big plug in the middle of that defense. Theoretically, him and DJ Reader alongside each other will make things better, and you'll be more stout against the run. But, Skinny, is that going to be enough, or are we looking at a team that just is going to really struggle to tackle all year again? I watched Josh Bynes become the guy that I was afraid he was going to be, which is a journeyman linebacker in this league. Um, you know, I've watched Carlos Dunlap kind of, honestly, he's disappeared for two games in a row now. Um, Sam Hubbard, I thought had a couple of decent moments. I thought reader had a couple of decent moments, but yeah, I mean, Christian Covington's playing next to him. They, they had to desperately trade for him to get another body in their defensive tackle because of they, they were so thin at that position. Um, and, and so I, and, and look, and I'll give DJ reader doesn't have Geno Atkins next to him, but he, and I'll give him credit. He talked to us after the game, and even he talked about he needs to be better, and it starts with him, and that's all well and good. I, I, I'm fine with you pointing the finger at yourself. But the truth is he does. He signed a huge contract here to be a run stopper. It, it starts with him to some degree. But it also then, if he's stopping his gap and he's doing his job, then Josh Bynes needs to come up and make a tackle. Jesse Bates was great in week one and was terrible in this game tackling people. Um, and it just it's, – it's, yeah, I don't know how it does get better. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought last week, honestly, the 155 yards didn't bother me because they only averaged, you know, 3.94 yards a carry. And so um, some of that was just a product. They just kept running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. It wasn't like they were running it for, for, for great effectiveness. They had a couple of long runs. But, you know, when the Bengals had to make stops, they did. 
Tonight, though, I mean, the most damning thing of all, you cut it to a five-point game with 5.55 to go. They take over on a kickoff at their own 25 and run six straight running plays right down your freaking throat, and you stood there and took it, and, and they go in for the, for the clinching touchdown. And there was um, zero chance is, they is, were going to pass. Zero right. chance. Everyone knew they were going to run. And, and I guess I would ask this. If Geno Atkins really is bothered by a bad shoulder right now, are we really going to believe that a, what is he now, 30-something-year-old defensive tackle who's got a shoulder issue is going to be the one guy to fix it? The one guy to fix it? No, of course it's not. And now I'm looking, starting going, all right, how much more does Carlos Dunlap have in the tank? And, and um, you know, what are they going to do with, you know, moving forward with, with the young linebackers? They look lost tonight. Um, Akeem Davis-Gator had a terrible penalty on, on, a, on uh, stupid. A, a, a punt return play. It was really stupid. So, I mean, I, I don't know. And I think it all goes back to the evaluation process. I, I, really, I, I guess it starts there for me with all these guys. I, I told you I thought DJ Reader was overpaid, and I, I'll still stick to that. Josh Bynes is a journeyman. Um, you just you haven't you really just haven't gotten much better, to be honest with you. Yeah, Josh. At least Bynes, on that side of the football. I thought Josh Bynes gave them something last week. I thought I he was flying too. around the field. I thought, he, I thought he was making some plays. He he looked more athletic than some of these other journeyman guys they had had. But tonight, I saw a whole lot of Preston Brown out there. I yep. saw a whole lot of Kevin Minter out there out of it i mean you know it just looked exactly like the guys they've been trying to fill that hole with for the past few years and that's just not going to be enough anytime jesse bates is your leading tackler we're going to have a problem yeah no doubt i mean if if, if you're getting to that level of the defense every single time you're going to be in a bad position or or you're leading yeah or you're leading tackle misser because he had to have missed three to five tackles tonight easily well, yeah, and wasn't he one of the leading missed tacklers in the entire NFL last year? Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. You know, so they threw that stat out there during the broadcast that the Bengals had all three of the three leaders in missed tackles in the entire NFL last year. Well, but, but I, I'll also say some of this too, Rick, and I know that the camp is different, but you are allowed to have contact in a certain number of camps. You are allowed to tackle in a certain number of They didn't do it. I mean, how do you tackle without tackling? That's a good question. And for a team where you knew that was a giant problem coming in, you would have thought maybe it would have been a little bit more of an emphasis. Of course, you've got the whole COVID situation going on this year, so uh, everything's a little bit wacky. But circling back to the, the can it be fixed, it's not like there's new guys to try. I mean, there's some youth at linebacker that maybe you can play some of those young guys a little bit more than binds. But, I mean, realistically, do you think you're going to get better by playing – Guys who've right. never played before, no, probably right. not this year. Probably not, yeah, right. And maybe that goes towards the overall point that this year is maybe more about moving towards something, getting better as a whole, and and moving towards a window over the next year or two to where you can compete. But is that going to be enough for Zach Taylor? I mean, another four or less win season – where is he at, you know, in terms of his job security? So that's going to be something interesting to watch as we go on in terms of that balance between making sure the team is getting better and you're developing the young talent while also watching Zach Taylor fight for his job. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think he is going to fight for his job, though. I just, uh, it's just not the way this organization, another organization, yeah, I'll give it to you, but I don't, I don't think that would be the case here. I think he's, he's safe. And so now it's a matter of you better start finding more players again in the next offseason. And yet you spent a bunch of money this, this offseason, and it really, 
it, it, it doesn't look like it's coming to fruition. And yeah, are we overreacting two games in? Maybe, but I'm not overreacting when three and 23 in the last 26 is the number I'm looking at. I'm looking at two and 16 in the last two years. Those are ugly numbers. Oh, and two. And in a lot of seasons, oh, and honestly, if you took this vacuum of oh, and two, the way that's transpired and, and you didn't know anything that happened the years before I'd go, Hey, this team's, this team might be on the come a little bit here. I mean, really should have won week one and, you know, on the road and short turnaround, they really battled their ass off in week two, but I can't take it in that vacuum because I, I know what's happened in the past, the last few years, and it, it just doesn't look good. Of course, the quarterback matchup was talked about a lot coming in. You've got two former Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, Baker Mayfield has been kind of a letdown going back to last season and obviously didn't get off to a good start last week. Joe Burrow just in his second start. What did you think of the quarterback battle tonight? Who do you think got the best of each other? I thought they both played well in, in what they were asked to do. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield early on, they ran bootleg left, bootleg right, and he, he throws the ball. You know, get, they get him out in some space, and he really looked comfortable doing so. And that, I think, gave him then the confidence on the bootleg for the double move to, to OBJ, and that those two finally hooked up for a touchdown. Um, he got a little greedy on the one that Will Jackson intercepted, although I think Will made a, made a pretty good play. Looked like he might have baited him into that a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to chalk that one up to Will making a good play. I thought Baker did exactly what his team needed him to do. I, th- I think he had a great bounce-back game from the opener, um, finished 16-23 to 23 for 219 and, and uh, the couple of touchdowns, including the one to OBJ. And, and I thought Joe Burrow, I mean, I, I don't know where this team would have been in that game without him. I mean, he made a lot of gutsy big plays. Um, scrambled when he had to scramble for first downs. I mean, he was great on fourth down pass plays, um, spread the ball around. Um, the one thing that's still lacking, obviously, and I guess I can just continue to chalk this up to timing, is uh, getting the ball down the field and pushing it down the field. They tried a few times. They just can't seem to connect deep down the field, and I do think that's going to come. But honestly, I-, I can't say I'd give the edge to either one. I think they did exactly what their teams needed them to do. Uh, I just don't need Joe Burrow throwing the ball 61 times every every time out. That, you know, that's the second most in a game in franchise history. It took him two games into his career to throw the second most pass attempts in franchise history. That's crazy. That's crazy. And obviously the style they're playing right now, a lot of dink and dunk stuff, it might as well be runs in a lot of these scenarios. And when you have a guy like Joe Mixon, who's probably your best offensive weapon, and you have another running back who can catch the ball out of the backfield and it's the best way to use him and Giovanni Bernard – I kind of understand where you're going to have a few more passing attempts in that regard than you might otherwise. But you mentioned the word panicked earlier, referring to Zach Taylor and this game plan. Is that what you see when you see 61 passes out of your quarterback making his second ever career start without any preseason games? Well, I see some of it being kind of what you said is it takes that many pass attempts to get the ball down the field because you're going five, six, five, seven, seven, five yard chunks. I mean, it's crazy. I'm looking at the stats right now, Rick. Uh, C.J. Uzama, who apparently suffered an Achilles injury, that um, that's never a good thing, and that's disappointing. He averaged ten and a half yards a catch. Um, oh, I missed one. T. Higgins averaged eleven point seven. <coughs> C.J. averaged ten and a half. Boyd ten point three. Mixon averaged ten. A.J. Green averaged nine point seven. Those are pedestrian numbers for some of your wide receivers. I mean, you know. And, and John Ross, two targets, nothing, and you're getting nothing out of the guy that's supposed to stretch the field for you, and that's disappointing too. So. Um, you got to find something to take the top off the defense. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if AJ's that guy anymore. I mean, he had 13 targets, 13. Are they going to hook on some of those at some point? I would think so. I'd like to hope so. 
but Tyler Boyd's not a field stretcher. I don't think T's a field stretcher. John Ross is supposed to be the field stretcher, and he can't get separate. He couldn't get separation from me on a bad day, and I'm 57 years old. Well, let, let's talk about that because I, I think uh, I'm guilty of it. I've talked about the offensive line as much as anyone, and the offensive line is terrible. In my opinion, it's the biggest issue with this team. No doubt. But there were times tonight – where they did a bit better of a job. You know, there wasn't Joey Bosa on the edge rushing them that was beating them every single time. So there were a few plays where Burrow had a little bit more time to scan the field and look downfield. And in some instances, it seemed like he ended up being flushed out of the pocket as the result of good coverage or or possibly maybe the Bengals just not being able to create any separation. So, I mean, do we start questioning the weapons that the Bengals have at the receiver positions and, and tight end, or do we start wondering about the schemes that are being run in terms of the routes and the plays and how they're, they're working against the defense and what they're being shown? I, I have some concerns after tonight of what I saw because not all of it was on the offensive line, not giving him enough time. No, I, I think, I think all that stuff is, is in play. Um, and, and you know, some of it again is on Joe for the deep balls. He just isn't quite there yet, but I don't think T. Higgins is a field stretcher. T. Higgins, you know what T. Higgins is to me? And this is not a knock. This isn't a bad thing. T. Higgins is Tyler Boyd, right? I mean, that's what he reminds me of. He's, yeah, gonna, he's a bigger body for sure. Yeah, he's but. a bigger body kid. He's going to catch the ball in the middle of the field, and that's all well and good. Who is your field stretcher? Back in the day, you'd say A.J. Green, but he caught three for 29, and the first ball he got thrown out of bounds on. John Ross is supposed to be your field stretcher. He can't get open. And when he gets open half the time, he can't catch it. So then there's a trust factor for the quarterback looking and going, do I trust throwing to this cat? Nah, let me throw it down here for well, a seven-yard pickup. It, well, let me ask you this. Is it Odell Sample who's starting to emerge as a real talented <laughs> pass catcher? I mean, I'm sorry, that's Drew Sample. Drew Sample. He, I tell you what, he, he made a hell of a catch on that one-handed ball for that sure. That was hilarious, and, and, wasn't it? And, and honestly, he, he did pretty well. But Yeah, a I robust 6.4 yards per catch. Uh, seven right. catches I mean, for 45 yards. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, you're not getting big chunk plays. Now, we say all this, and they still put 30 on the board, right? 30 should win you a football game. But last week, you only put 13 on the board, and the defense held them to 16. And that's what bad teams do. That's what losing teams do. Losing teams do just enough to lose games. And I, I don't know how that gets fixed. I just don't. The great news for the Bengals is Joe Burrow far and away looks like their best player on either side of the ball. He Correct. looks like the most talented Best player. They got it right, I think. This is the guy yes. you want to be your franchise quarterback. I think almost everyone acknowledges that that has watched him play these last two weeks. The big concern is up front on both sides of the ball, you are so bad that you, you really have no chance of being a legitimate contender this year or being competitive against good teams. And also, you could get him killed and ruin him before he ever gets the chance to lead you anywhere because your offensive line is legitimately that bad. Yeah, he was pretty funny in the post game with that. He said he was asked, "How do you feel?" He said he feels good. He goes, "I like getting hit. It makes me feel like a football player." Um, yeah, so did Andrew Luck. So did Andrew right, Luck. He, he liked it too. He's dropped back ninety-seven times in two games, and I don't have the stat in front of me, but I guarantee he's been hit on at least at least a fourth of those. Right? He's been sacked six times officially. Which really, if you think about it, six times and what's what amounts to 104 dropbacks really isn't awful. It's also though the amount of times he's gotten rid of the ball and then gotten banged afterwards or had to scramble and gotten tackled because he isn't the best slider in the world either. Um, well, and not all, and not all of it's just taking hits too. It's just 
the mental side right. of always right. being on the run. I mean, give him credit. He's moving in and out of that pocket like crazy. Yes. He's doing a great job of stepping up, Agreed. sliding, and, and rolling out and buying time and not taking sacks. But, I mean, in terms of how you develop some confidence and, and feeling like you can step up and really throw and let it rip, I don't know how you do that as a young quarterback with, with these types of guys chasing you. Here's the other thing I, I just fear is this. You, you've got a core of players that were on some playoff teams and now they're getting paid and you know what? The losing happens, but you know, I'm at the end of my career and I'm getting paid and I, I, I'll, I'll say all the right things. And yeah, I don't like to lose, but honestly, I'm getting paid. It, it feels like you just got a chunk of those guys and maybe it's honestly after this year, you clean house as much as you can clean house and, and, and go with, with a bunch of new guys because I, I Losing gets real contagious, man. And right now it just feels extraordinarily contagious in this organization, despite a new fresh guy in Joe Burrow. He feels new and fresh. You can tell winning irritates him. He's still at that age where he's new to the league. I think he said tonight he doesn't remember ever losing two games in back-to-back fashion at any point in, in his athletic career. And he's probably right for all we know. I mean, Get so it's it, got – Right. But that's what, I'm, that's what I keep wondering. If you've got some of these veterans who – I mean, can, can Carlos Dunlap play? I mean, honestly, can he make a play? I, I honestly, I wouldn't have known if he was out there tonight or not. Right, right. That's my. That's part of my point. Um, and so, it. I, I guess to me, it, it just feels like until someone somehow, some way, can break this cycle of losing, feels like you're just going to head into the abyss once again. And and I know it's only two games in, and. Yeah, Philly's next, and you know they're not very good. And they've got the Rams on Sunday. They could be zero and two, but then they could have an zero and two desperate Philadelphia team that, that you're going to play next. So it just, it just, it, it it's getting to the point of of losing just absolutely sucks. And, and three and twenty three is the number I'm sticking with, and I think that that's starting to get pervasive. And someone needs to put their foot down and put a stop to it. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Zach Taylor. I don't know if it's Lou Anarumo. It sure as hell isn't Mike Brown. It sure as hell isn't Duke Tobin. I, I maybe it's Joe Burrow. I mean, he's the leader now, right? You go in and figure out what you got to do to make sure that these guys are sick of losing as much as you're sick of losing. Because I don't get that feeling. Skinny, one last question for you that I have. We both acknowledged that offensive line is the biggest concern for this team. What would you do right now with that offensive line, specifically on the right side tonight, instead of starting Billy Price, which he was the backup for Xavier Suafilo when he got injured last week. He came in. I thought he did a decent job in the second half, actually gave them a little bit of an upgrade. Yeah, Zach, right Zach Taylor, yeah, 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 real quick. Zach Taylor said he was bothered by an ankle, so that's why he didn't start. Okay. So they opted to go with Fred Johnson instead at right guard, <laughs> which was a total disaster. Yes. I mean, a total disaster. What would you do right now with you know that combination of Bobby Hart, Fred Johnson, and Billy Price, and I, I guess if there's anyone else you want to throw into that mix, go ahead and do so as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Is Fred better suited to play tackle than play guard? I don't know. I mean, he played pretty well there the last game of last year, and, you know, based on what you saw tonight, you'd say no, but some guys are better suited in some spots than others. Um, you know, do, at what point do you look at the rookie, Hakeem Adenogy? I mean, does he get a, a – does he warrant a look – you're, you're just – you really are out of options. I mean, there are no options, to be quite honest with you. I mean, your swing tackle's Fred Johnson. Um, one of your backup guards is Shaq Calhoun that you got off the street from Miami. I mean, do you throw him in the mix, or or do you realize you're not going to throw him in because he's just a guy off the street? Um, it goes back to feeling like maybe you needed to address this in the draft or the offseason instead of 
fiddle farting around with paying DJ reader 52 mil. Um, I, it just, it's, I, I, they, they needed to address that position way more than they did. And maybe, maybe it was going and trading for Trent Williams. I don't think they could have afforded it. Um, what they would have given up would have not been much. I'm just looking from a contract perspective if they could have afforded it or, or not, but you know, I, it's something that has got to be addressed in free agency in this offseason. It, it, I, it can't be in the draft either. I can't have a rookie playing right tackle and a second-year guy playing left tackle, and especially when I've just seen too many guys get drafted at tackle in this league anymore that can't play. I, I want a guy that's been proven, has, uh, has done it, has gotten the job done, and um, it's a, I, honestly, the only time it's going to get fixed really is, is, an, is another offseason. It's ridiculous, but that's when it's going to get fixed. Well, that's and that's my thing. I wish they would have addressed it through free agency with an established guy, a guy that was a clear starter. I know a lot of people said, well, why are you drafting T. Higgins? You could have drafted a, a tackle there. There's no guarantee that a second-round lineman is going to be able to come in and start and, and provide any more protection for Joe Burrow than Bobby Hart or Fred Johnson are. And you've already got you know, Bobby Hart, I think, the, the – the experiment should be over there. He stunk before he got, I mean, look at the giants. They've got the worst offensive line in football, probably. And they let him walk. They said Bobby Hart wasn't good enough for us. Right. Um, For some reason, the Bengals just do not seem to understand that they, they uh, continue to give him chances, continue to praise him and think that he gives them something at the, the right tackle position. I will never understand that. But aside from that, you've got Fred Johnson, you've got Billy price. You've got all these guys that are kind of like, on the cusp they don't seem like they're probably good enough to be nfl starters but you need to figure out if one or two of them could be before you completely move on i think that's what this year is about so i'd much rather see them throw all the young guys out there as much as they need to to get a good evaluation on them because clearly you stink either way and it's not like bobby hart is keeping joe burrow safe back there so I'm, i'm with you on that yeah Play the young guys as much as you need to to get a read on it and then address it next season, both in free agency and in the draft. And and then we'll move on from there. Because to me, the the biggest issue right now is up front on both sides of the football. And you've already invested a little bit on the defensive side with some of your young linebackers. And obviously you spent a ton of money on DJ reader. So now the, the next move obviously has to be upgrading this offensive line. I think that's what this year should be about figuring out who who's staying and then your your plan of attack for the offseason, both in free agency and in the draft. I would agree with that. All right, uh, Rick, I appreciate it. We will uh, be back with our regular podcast uh, this coming middle of the week, either Wednesday or Thursday, and we'll do uh, another uh, post-game Bengals podcast after the game next Sunday when the Bengals take on the Eagles. That is a 1 o'clock kickoff from, uh, from Philadelphia. You can catch that game on Local 12 uh, as well. We'll have all your coverage through the week on Local12.com. Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals post-game edition.